Good morning. Are we grateful for a God that's always doing a new thing? Are you grateful for a God that can always redeem your past, always empower your future? Are you thankful for a God that he loves you so much that he won't let you stay stuck? That you don't have to strive for it. You don't have to perform for it. All you have to do is surrender into it. Aren't you thankful for it? That's where grace is. Grace is a beautiful quality, isn't it? Have you ever met somebody that's just so graceful? It's like, it's stunning, right? And that's what happens in our life when we yield to God's spirit. Not in hyper-spiritual, churchy kind of ways, like let's get real today, in just our real lives. The dreams and the desires, the things that you're believing for and hoping for. Maybe the life that you have that actually is what you dreamed for. When you surrender it over to God, he'll actually use it for amazing purposes. To bless people, to encourage people, to help somebody else take their next step, not just your life. And isn't that why we gather? Come on, North, can we welcome the plaza location? Can we also welcome all of the, the men at Lansing Correctional? We're so glad that you would join us, everybody that's watching online. We just wanna take a minute and say welcome. We've already had an amazing service so far. And I believe that today that we are going to encounter the living God. I believe today that we're not just gonna go through the routines of church motions, but today we actually can hear God speak to us in a way that we need to hear him. The way you need to hear him might be different from what I need to hear him speak to my life. The decisions that are right ahead of you, and we're adults, hello, we make 5,000 million decisions a day. Do you know God wants to direct your steps? We serve a God that is speaking. We serve a God that's relatable. That's why he came to earth. He left everything that he knew he wanted to prove it. He wanted to prove his love in real time so that in the real time in our worlds, we could experience him. So that is my prayer today as we continue this series, new skills for the next season that Pastor Kyle has been speaking. Has anybody enjoyed it? Gosh, I know I have taken so much from it. I hear it at home, and then I get to hear it again, and I'm here for it. But our, our text has been for this whole series, it's in Ecclesiastes 10.10, because wisdom is how you build your life. Not by talk, not by philosophy, but by wisdom. And what is wisdom? Wisdom is not talking like you know what you're doing. Wisdom is knowledge applied. It's taking the word of God, it's taking the presence of God, it's taking scripture and applying it to our lives. It says if the ax is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed, but skill will bring success. So as a church family, as followers of Jesus, the last few weeks, we've been working to get our edge back. We've been reading through Proverbs this week. Did anybody read through Proverbs with us? 
We've been taking our kids through Proverbs. We, we skip a couple things because Graham's like, what's that, Mom? And I'm like, we're not going to talk about that today, son. But we're, we're asking him, hey, tell us back. What does that mean in your words? And they're kind of getting it. I'm like, you're smart. You must have a great mom. But going through it, man, I'm going to go back through it this week because it's like, man, how much gold is in Proverbs? And it's just practical. It's just practical tools that help sharpen our life, sharpen the edge of our spirit so that we can walk in the success. And God has success for you. He's not a genie that gives us everything that we want, but he says, for I know the plans that I have for you, Kingdom City. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And so today, we're going to be talking about trust. Talking about trust. Is there anybody that has some trust issues? Don't raise your hands. I think we all have trust issues in one way or another, right? Like, oh, I, I want to trust, but it's just hard for me, right? You know, breaking trust, it can happen in a random moment. You say one thing, break trust. Act out of character, it can break trust. But building trust, building trust in your marriage, building trust with your children, building trust with the people that you lead or serve, it takes great time and great intention. It takes follow through, right? And so our relationship with God, and that's why we're here. Because when we grow in our relationship with God, you know, every one of us have a different world. We have different contexts to our faith. And God's called you to be fruitful in the context of your life. Your life doesn't need to look like your neighbor's life. Your life is called to look like your life in the sphere that he's entrusted you with with the world he's entrusted you with. And when you lean into grace, you get graceful at impacting your world. It be, kind of becomes effortless because it's not about me. It's about him and them. Amen. Well, you can be seated at the plaza here at North. Our relationship with God, it requires trust. Say trust. Our relationship with God requires trust. And as I mentioned earlier, maybe this is your first time here. You just came to worship with us today. But we have been reading through Proverbs. And Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6 says this. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. I need to say that again to myself. Liz, stop trying to figure out everything on your own. I bet there's a few people in this room that there's something in your life you have been racking your brain about. You have been trying to figure it out. You're like, God, I know there's more. I don't know how to get out of this situation or I'm trying to love these people and why does it feel so hard? Or there's something that you've been racking your brain about or searching your heart for. And I've got good news for every single one of us today. You don't have to figure out on your own. Hello, good news. Doesn't that just make you exhale? But what do you have to do to get there? We're going to talk about that today. Listen for God's voice when you come to church. 
No. Listen for God's voice in everything you do and in everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. My title for today is A Track Record of Trust. A Track Record of Trust. Learning the skill of surrender. And with that, would you just join me in prayer all over in every room, online, if you're at home, if you're at Lansing at North Plaza. Our God is not dead. He is an alive God. He is the creator God that can make all things new again. So Father, right now, Lord, I ask you that I would get out of the way. And I ask that you would speak. I ask that people would encounter you. I pray they would hear your voice for their life, for their homes, for their families, for their careers, for the questions that they have, God. They're not the same questions I have. But I ask that you would be so real, that you would be ever-present, that you would speak so significantly, you would transform hearts, that people would leave today just with a deep exhale of your grace, knowing that they don't have to figure it out on their own. So, Father, we want to develop a track record of trust. Teach us the skill of surrender in brand new ways. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Can I get a big amen? Amen. Well, when I was in my early 20s, I know I still look like I'm in my 20s, I know, but I'm not. When I was in my early 20s, I, I had the great privilege to lead a lot of mission trips. And so I had gone to college. I had an opportunity my senior year in college. It's a long story. But I got to start leading all of these youth and young adult mission trips all over the world. And, and I absolutely loved it. I always loved travel and going to other places and experiencing life and someone else's culture and context. And so I had these opportunities. But before where we're going, sometimes we'd bring 50 people, 70 people. And before we would all go on this trip, we didn't just get our plane tickets and go there. We actually had some time and a few months that we would take to prepare. We would take these months and we would actually like talk about the culture, get to know the country, like realize, realize we're not coming in as the savior. We have to know kind of what, what the way that they think, the way that they do life. And so we would do that and we would take these few minutes, these few months to also build trust with one another so we could have strong team dynamics. And so the trip would be really effective. And so we would do all these games. Has there anybody been on a mission trip? Yeah, you know, Tia knows. You know, you would go on these, you would do all these like crazy things so people would start getting past their insecurities and, and really let people really begin to know them, right? Because you can't build a team if everyone's just stuck in self, right? And so we would do all these things and we would pray and worship together. We would actually learn about the country we were going to and we would do these crazy rope courses and jump off crazy things. And then the crescendo of it all was the trust fall. The trust fall. Would you fall back without looking back? Would you fall back and trust that these people, sometimes we would do it over like it would be elevated space. It was kind of scary. Would you fall back without looking back? 
And, you know, all these things that we would do, they would just break down the barriers so that we could be so effective on these trips. And they actually made it, the trust actually made the time so much more fun. A track record of trust. See, Kingdom City, God is after our development. God is after our development. Why? Because he believes so much in your future. He believes in you. The creator God, the one that has it all, made it all, omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing, believes in you. Hello? That's encouraging to me. That God actually believes in me and he is after our development. And we know that delays are not denial. But oftentimes in our development, we experience, hello, delays. Am I right? And so delays are not denial. They are for our development. But development often happens in the dark. It happens in the dark. And in the dark, I mean, this is really basic, but in the dark, you can't see clearly, right? You're in the dark. It's like I'm stumbling around. I'm trying to figure out where to go. Where is the door? I'm, I'm stubbing my toe, trying to get my baby in the middle of the night, right? In the dark, you cannot see clearly, and it requires the skill of surrender, God does not lead us into darkness, but he oftentimes will put us in his dark room. Because it's in the dark room, the full scope of the picture for our life becomes vividly what it's supposed to reflect to the world around us. And if we get out of the dark room too early and we say, oh no, the skill of surrender, that ain't for me. Then we become overexposed and you can never See what that photo, what that purpose, what that life is really fully supposed to be. See, faith is the substance of the things that we hope for. I hope you have your hopes up. I hope you have a hope for something. I hope you're believing God that your best days aren't behind you, but your best days are in front of you because we serve that kind of God. It is the evidence of the things that we cannot see. So we have to take the time. Say, take the time. Nobody can do it for you. Kyle can't do it for me. I let him try. It didn't work. God's like, no, you're a big girl. You're going to have to get the skill of surrender too, baby. You're going to have to learn to walk with me too, honey. You're going to have to learn to be the wife and mom that I've called you to be. You're going to have to learn to manage the pressures because the pressures can be real. You're going to have to learn how to figure it and discover who you are apart from what people think about you because the fear of man is a snare, right? And so sometimes as we're building this skill of trust, it's hard. Can we be honest? Like I'm a pastor. Hello. This is what we do with our life. I do some other things, but this is, a, this is a lot of what I do with my life. And guess what? Trusting God sometimes is hard. 
I'm like, God, I can trust you from the shallow parts of my heart. I will lean on my own understanding because in all of my ways, I'm not sure if you got my steps. So I am going to control the path so that I feel safe and secure. Hello, am I the only one? No, trust in the Lord with all of my heart. Lean not to my own understanding. God, hello, that's hard. I have to surrender and let go of control. See, when we are in seasons that we can't see, we're learning the skill of surrender. So instead of complaining about it anymore, I realize that it's sharpening my edge. So in the seasons and in the dark room where I cannot fully see, I have a glimmer in my heart. Instead of cursing that season, complaining about that season, grumbling about that season, I lean into that season. Because it's in the dark room, you aren't going to see him, but you're going to learn how to hear him. It's in the dark room you're going to begin to learn to hear not somebody else say, no, but God loves you and God forgives you. No, you begin to hear, no, God loves me. God's forgiven me. God's grace is enough for me. God's got a plan for my life. I'm here on purpose for a purpose. And I can do this thing because greater is he that lives in me than he that is in the world. See, it's when we're in seasons we cannot see, we learn the skill of surrender. It's when we decide, what will I lean on? Will I lean on my own understanding or will I lean on the leadership of God? You know, Kingdom City, is faith really faith if you wait to move until you have it all figured out? Is that even faith? I just want to ask you today. Is faith even faith if you have to know step one to a hundred before you make a move? I would just say no. It's not faith. And you might not get the results that you think you're going to get. And then you get bitter and jaded at God. God didn't do what he said he would do. And he's like, I'm still here. I still want to help you. I still want to lead you. I still want to guide you. See, surrender, it brings heaven's success in our life. And the decisions that you make in the dark are often the greatest doors of your destiny. The decisions you make in the dark often unlock the greatest doors of destiny. Everybody else is making average decisions. Everybody else is playing it safe. Everybody else is leaning to what the market is saying and what this is saying. But you're leaning into the greatest leader of all time. Kyle and I just made a decision in our life that started three years ago. And God told us to do something. And we did it. And it was very wise. And we knew it. And then he said, I want you to do this. And then we were both like, does he really want us to do that? Does he know what's going on in the world? And we began to just ponder it in our hearts. Why? Because life is real. Life is practical. Your destiny is made up of daily decisions. And we got into agreement. It took us a little bit of time, both leaning in, staying humble, listening to one another. And then we came to agreement that God said, this is what I want you to do. And that decision of obedience brought great success into our life. 
It began to open up new divine doors of opportunity. It got motion and momentum going in some areas of our life of some things that we had been believing for, some goals that we had written down. See, the decisions you make in the dark often unlock the greatest doors of your destiny. And today... In the remainder of our time, we're going to take a look at a lady in Scripture in the Old Testament that she found herself in the dark room of life. She actually found herself devastated. She didn't know what to do. She found herself in an unexpected situation, and she learned in that time in a brand new way to build a fresh track record of trust with God that brought new seasons of success and legacy into her future and her family's future. We're going to pick up in 2 Kings 4, 1 through 7, if you would. 2 Kings 4, 1 through 7, and it says this. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing here, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. And Elisha said, well, go around and ask all your neighbors for their empty jars and don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons and pour oil into all the jars. And as each is filled, put one aside. So she left him. She shut the door behind her and her sons. She brought the jars. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring when the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. And then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil, pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Here is this woman. Her husband was a part of the company of prophets. He was a leader. She found herself, he had unexpectedly died, and she was left with two little boys. And here she was, she was devastated. She didn't know what to do. She didn't know what the next steps were. So she went to Elisha. And so here she was, she was looking for like a miracle. She'd seen what Elisha had done. She had probably followed her husband around. And so here she was, and she was like, Elisha, what do you got for me? And he said, what do you have in your house? What do I have in my house? Come on, Elisha, you got to have more than that for me, right? I mean, we think about that and it's like we can make that really spiritual in the context of a story. But in that situation, that doesn't seem like the most, the greatest question that you could ask this lady in her time of need. Why do you care what's in my house, I'm sure she thought. I need something from heaven, not what I already have. Come on, Elisha, I'm about to lose. I've already lost my husband, and now I'm about to lose my sons. And so she replied back to him, what do you have in your house? And she said, oh, I have nothing. I have nothing except a jar of olive oil. I wonder in your life, 
Where have you ever had a pity party? Where have you had coffee with a friend? And you were like, I have nothing. I have nothing. God's done nothing for me. I have nothing except fill in the blank. I wonder what your I have nothing except is. See, Kingdom City, write this down. Small becomes significant when you surrender. Small becomes significant when you surrender. And I have learned time and time again that my mundane is where the miraculous is at. And so sometimes we're looking for the miracle. We're looking for the mountaintop. We're looking for the magic moment. But I realize the magic moments are actually in my everyday, ordinary life. That's where God wants to show up in your life. That's where God wants to move. And you keep thinking that your miracle is outside of you. I think in our spiritual formation, we always miss wisdom when we live like that. Because then we don't take responsibility for managing our life for stewarding our life, for the relationships that we keep, for the conversations that we have, for how we do things and how we don't do things. We just think it's all going to get dropped in our life. And hello, that's called entitlement. And it doesn't work in real life. And then when you actually realize my mundane is where the miracles are at, you begin to manage your everyday life like there's a miracle there. You begin to look in your everyday life, God, where are you going to do today? God, how are you going to work in my kid's life? God, how are you going to open that door? God, how are you going to make that goal happen? And you begin to work like a wise man and a wise woman, and then your mundane begins to be miraculous. See, what you have overlooked, that one small, ordinary jar of olive oil that you do have, it's actually enough to bring the overflow of heaven in your life. I wonder today what your I have nothing except is. You know, after that, Elisha had more words for her. And he said, now I want you to go and gather all the empty jars and not just a few. I mean, hello, Elisha, gather the empty jars, go, think about it. Imagine yourself going to your neighbors and asking for their recycle bin. Weird. Hello, you're like, sure, you can have that. You can have all my empty jars and my empty cans, right? Can you imagine the humility that that took? I want to hide my empty. I don't want anyone to know about my empty. I sure don't want to invite community into my emptiness. But Elisha told her to gather, and I believe that it was the testing of her trust where she, in a brand new way, began to write a new track record of trust with Jesus with a sign of humility and the skill of surrender to see if she would do the humble act of what God asked her to do. See, simple acts of obedience, they open up divine opportunities. And this is not just good preaching or a hyped up statement. I'm going to tell you, this is real life kingdom living. Simple acts of obedience are what open up divine opportunities. And people miss it every day. They don't realize that stewarding faithfulness is how you really step into your future. See, empty becomes overflow when you walk 
in obedience. And then Elisha, Elisha said to her, I want you to go home and in your own place and in your own space, I want you to shut the door and start pouring out what you already have. He doesn't ask you to pour out what you don't have. He doesn't ask you to pour out something that isn't yours. He doesn't ask you to manage or steward what you don't have. Do you know what God is saying to you? Where have you held back what you already have? And it's time to start pouring out what you already have. It's in that ordinary place that extraordinary things begin to happen in your life. And God has extraordinary things for you. God wants to do extraordinary things through his church. God wants to do extraordinary things through all of our lives. And I have discovered over the years that there are lots of critics there are plenty of talkers. There are many posers. Do people even say that anymore? No. But there aren't a lot of doers. There's a lot of people that try to impress you with, your, with their talk or their, their life. But I'm finally at a place in my life where I want to impress God with my life. I want to impress God with my heart. And I just want to say this. Obedience is often private. There's just some parts of life, they're private, right? There's some parts of your life you don't talk about. There's some parts of your world, and like if you have good social norms in your life, you're like, that's just not for the table right now, right? That, that's private. And I want to say to you that obedience is often private. On the plaza, obedience is often private private. If you're watching online, in your private place, in your home, maybe in your pajamas, obedience is private. So as you're developing that skill of surrender, you have to learn to trust that God is working and that private obedience is what actually leads to public promotion. It's private obedience in our life that leads to public promotion. See, what you do behind closed doors, I love that he didn't tell that lady to go make a spectacle of it and the miracle power of God is just gonna fall down in the middle of the city. What if the greatest miracles fall down in the middle of our homes through simple acts of obedience and when we gathered together as a community, it was just like, yeah, that was hard, but it was simple, God. All you asked for me was to respect my husband. All you asked for me is to parent my kids this way. All you asked for me was to give you my first and my best. It's not that hard. It's just sometimes hard to do. It's simple, but it's strong. What you do behind closed doors matters. The conversations that you have the whispers that you whisper, they're actually the words in your life that matter the most. They're the ones that hold the greatest power. They're the ones that will push you forward the most. So we have to learn, just like this, this woman, that we have to learn that I can't just hear the word of God. But I have to begin to develop that track 
record of trust with Jesus, trusting that he's faithful. Trust me that if he said that this is the way that you should go, I'm going to hear the voice behind me, and I'm actually going to trust it enough to do what it says because he's wanting to lead you by still waters. The Lord is my shepherd I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. That even though you might be walking through the valley of a shadow of death, you're not going to fear any evil, Kingdom City, because God is with you. And he loves you, and he's for you, and he's gone ahead of you. So you've got to go home. I want to say this. In our lives, in our families, do you know that what God wants to do in his church starts at home? Hello. It doesn't just start in the house of God. Our homes are his house. My home is his house. I love building home. I do design work and I flip homes and I love it so much. It's so fun to me. It's just like, it's not leadership. Leadership is hard. You people are hard sometimes. This is just fun. It's just houses. But I love it. I love creating the spaces. I love creating environments of hospitality. I believe that when people feel at home, it, it heals the soul in special ways. And you know what? Our homes matter. Your heart is actually God's home. And what's going on in your heart, it matters. And I believe that in this church, and I believe that in your life, He's wanting to teach you at another level this life of surrender. And at first it's so hard. And you have to teach yourself over and over like, okay, I'm going to have self-awareness. I know I'm in control right now. I'm going to learn to let go. And I'm going to choose to surrender and trust that God has the very best for me. I'm in the dark room. I can't really see, but I'm not going to get scared. I'm going to lean in to listen to what God is actually saying to my heart. Because he knows me and he loves me and he cares about me. And he actually wants to speak to me in a way that I can relate to and hear and listen and trust and obey. So your private obedience matters. What you do in the dark rooms of life, it matters. And God is actually trying to sharpen your skill of surrender so you can build a track record of trust. A track record of trust with Jesus. And I don't know, today, maybe you're in this place. And maybe you can relate to that woman one way or another. Maybe there's one area of your life, maybe it's not as dramatic or traumatic. But maybe there's an area in your life that God is encouraging you to step out and to surrender in a greater way. Maybe just to be a little more vocal in your faith. Maybe it's inviting some friends in your community to church. Maybe it's not just like, God, I love you, but I don't know what my friends and my family are actually going to think about if I actually have an alive faith with Jesus. What if you decided to go ahead and reach that coworker? What if you decided to, you really want to do this, but you feel God saying, no, go this way. What if today you didn't go that way and you actually were like, I'm going to listen. What would happen? Where is he trying to take you? 
Scripture says it's where no eye has seen and where no ear has heard. The things that he has prepared for you. Why? Because he wants to use you? No, because he loves you. Because he loves you so much. Why don't you go ahead and stand to your feet? We're going to go back into a song of worship, a time of surrender. And I don't know for you where you need to surrender today. We're going to sing a song, God, I'm going to make room for you. I was singing that last night. I was just had a super busy week. I was in Miami earlier with Kyle. We had a crazy week and we had a lot going on. And I showed up for a friend, she's a dear friend of mine, just wrote a book. So I knew I needed to be there for her. And I had a speaking engagement in Alabama. And the only way I could get there on time was to fly to Nashville and drive two and a half hours and literally then drive back home to come here. We sold the house, closed on a house. We we're working on trying to close our South building. Amen. Had a lot going on. Kyle's preaching at another church in our city today. And so I'm preaching here and taking care of kids and all these things. We don't have family that lives in, in Kansas City. So it, it sometimes can be a lot of juggle. And so I, I just had to this week just surrender all over again. I'm like, God, I like everything to be picture perfect. It's even the way you've wired me. But God, I'm going to surrender. God, I'm going to surrender to your plan. I'm going to surrender to your grace. And I was singing this song last night in our living room. And Kyle was getting Goldie ready for bed for me so I could finish up my notes. And she came down and she lifted her hands and she just said, Mommy and Jesus, Mommy and Jesus. And I was like, oh, just by me making room for God in my life, I'm showing my kids not sermons that I preach, but they're seeing in the real time in their life a mom that's freshly surrendering, a mom that's just saying, God, here's my life. You can use it. You don't have to do it my way all the time. God, I'm over perfection. I'm into your perfection. So why don't you lift your hands and close your eyes? all over the room, wherever you're at. What is that? I have nothing except. Think about it. I have nothing. I'm gonna tell you, except that little small jar of oil, that's the only thing God's after. Whatever your small jar of oil is, that's what he wants. It's not enough. It's going to be a miracle. And he just wants to say to you today, you need to make a decision to hear and to obey, to sharpen that skill of surrender, to say, God, I want to have your way. God, I want to build that record of trust with you. So, Father, right now, in the mighty name of Jesus, I thank you for every heart and every life under the sound of my voice. And God, I thank you for fresh surrender, fresh surrender, God, that we would build a track record of trust with you like never before. Let's just begin to sing this. Father, we're going to make room for you today. To do whatever you want. We ask you, God, to do whatever to do you want to do. Not our will, not our plans, but your kingdom come. Your will be done on this earth, Father, as it is in heaven. Have your way in Jesus' name. To do whatever you want to do. 
anybody here I see your hand incredible beautiful I see your hand one two three four five so beautiful you can put your hands down six I see your hand the greatest part is that God sees your heart and he is literally he is like when his when his kids he loves comes home it's everything to him it's everything to him so we're gonna repeat this prayer together as a community of faith because we believe you don't have to do this faith journey alone. Would you repeat after me? Would you say, Dear Heavenly Father, I surrender. I surrender my heart, my life, my past, my present, and my future over to you. I ask you today, to be the Lord of my life. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your love. I make you my Lord. I'm going after you with all that I got. 
Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Come on, can we celebrate together every heart and every life, every person that said yes to Jesus? We have been hearing about so many stories of people bringing their friends, their coworkers, and their families to church, and people are giving their heart to Jesus, and it's blowing people's minds. And all that they did was literally bring that person. And so we celebrate that decision that you made, and we want to encourage you, don't keep that decision to yourself. As you go out these doors, there's somebody to give you a Bible if you don't have one. We have a Bible for you. And then as well as if you go to the welcome spot, if you need prayer for anything, we would absolutely love to be praying with you, to believe in God for you, for God's very best in your life. Well, did you get something good out of church today? I sure hope that you did. I pray that this wouldn't just be a message, but I pray that this week where you wanna lean into control, you'll actually choose to sharpen the skill of surrender, building a greater track record of trust with Jesus. And so church, we love you. We wanna encourage you. There's invites on every seat. If you would take one of these, I keep them in my car, in my diaper bag. And I'm like, God, who would you want me to invite to church this week? Who would you want me to just share or say, come with me. And people are so receptive. And so I want to encourage you to invite the people in your world to church and see God use you to see someone's lives forever changed. Amen. Well, we love you so much. We're praying God's best and God's blessings over your week. And we love you, church. We'll see you back next weekend. And after all this time,